With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm not even going to hide it. I'm not even going to wait. Let me get a fly, Eagles. Fly as the Eagles knock off the Falcons in the link, 15 to 10. And at night, the Patriots dust off the Titans. Can I do it with you? E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Here's the truth. I'm so not biased that I'll tell you my bias. Right? That's some meta stuff. I'm so not biased. I'll tell you my bias. What we're going to do is we're going to break down the games from Saturday night. Eagles, Falcons, Titans, and Patriots. A little bit of coaching news right before the games. We're going to give our final predictions for the games, even though we completely broke them down on Thursday's show. And then we're going to do a second and a half after the games. And all of this will come out as one big podcast for Monday when you're at home. If you're off for Martin Luther King Day, this will be perfect. Uh, and we just want to talk football. Talk ball. Eagles, Falcons. Man. I mean, awesome. I, it was, you know, the, it's it's always awesome when the game kind of plays out the way, at least, you know, my film study I thought could actually make it play out. Yes. Where I just believed, hey, this is still a game of emotion. It went exactly to plan. Right. It's a game of size and physicality. It's still about a game for fighting for mm. the right to have this area to your own. And the one thing that, you know, we talked about on Thursday, the Eagles were the bigger team. Impose your physical will on a sloppy Northeast playoff-type football field. It plays into their advantage, and they didn't buckle from, we're willing to win ugly. That's what we got scared of, right? A few times you're like, no, don't go for it on fourth down. Just kick the field goal. You can win this game 12-10. to But shout-out to Doug Peterson. They've gone for it really more than anybody. It worked out there. Uh, But the the team defense was incredible. They allowed 10 points, just 86 rushing yards, less than 200 yards passing, and they had three sacks. If you really think about it, when the Rams played the Falcons, they had two special teams turnovers, and the Falcons turned that into eventually 13 points. Right. The, he got the same thing against the Eagles. Yes. The punt bounced off Brayman. Ajayi fumbled it as well, and they left there with 10. And they didn't score the rest of the game. So the, really, the Eagles' defense, that seven points, was a punt that went off Brayman, and then a huge pass interference. That was it. Yes. The Eagles' defense did what they needed to do. Right. Uh, shout out to Caleb Damon, who tweeted us during the game, fast teams get slower, big teams don't get what smaller. Up? Thanks, Caleb. I'm curious. A yeah. lot of Falcons fans are blaming Sark. Right. And I just want to go over that last drive for the Falcons. Yep. Tevin Coleman had two runs. Right. Seven yards, ten yards. Right. But once the ball got inside the ten, they didn't run it again. Yes. The four plays they called inside the ten. Lob to Julio that went out of bounds. Right. That Matt Ryan underhand toss yes. that probably should have been a fumble, but yeah. it was well, he whatever. Was, he was trying to be cute. A Julio slant that got them down to the two. Right. And then the last play of the game. Right. I felt like Tevin Coleman was having success the entire game, and that's the one fault that I put on Sark is down there not pounding at home because if they score there, will they win the game? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I would think that would be a little bit of a, a really a, an Achilles heel per se the whole year for the Atlanta Falcons, the fact that they weren't always patient in the run game. Oh, first down run for nine yards, okay, uh, maybe get the first down again on the next play, whether it was a run or a pass, and then the next three plays would be a pass. Like They, they never were consistent with the run throughout the year and my eyes I get that I understand that um you know again I think the biggest thing is 
they just they fall into the trap of going, let's just put the ball in Matty Ice's hands at time and go, he's been our best player. He'll wheel and deal, make a play happen. Right. He's kind of done it all year. He's done it all last year, too. So I'm not going to sit here and be mad at the play calling. Uh, and again... You know, how many times, okay, yes, you got a first down run off the edge. It was, you know, we would go, oh, well, first down run, and they wouldn't get back to it. But Jim Schwartz isn't going to just sit there and let them run at that in between that wide dine technique right. all game. He's going to do things up front to take that away. That was so one thing I was worried about, right. Schwartz on that last drive. Right. And he had one bad, dumb play. He had the fourth and six, uh, brought five, yes. and then Julio got over top, right. which is the worst thing ever when you're watching games. If you see, it, it happened at Tennessee a million times. It's a pet You bring of mine. five players, right. you're not even getting pressure because you have five offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. It never works. And then Julio had that big catch. I will admit, when they got down there inside the 10 on that Coleman run, I, I, I was like, we're losing this game. Yeah. You were trying to calm me down. I didn't think they were going to lose. I knew getting in the end zone was going to be the hardest thing. I mean, you know, wh- when you get stuck inside the 10 as an offense, I used to hate that when I was a quarterback. I hated it because you would go, man, we had a chance to score from the 20. The field was my – when you right. get inside the 10, the field is just so close. If defenses are smart and don't blitz, they got nothing to worry about behind them, and they can just keep their eyes on the quarterback and react, and the field's so small. Mm. It's tough. So Brandon Graham had a huge game. Fletcher Cox was incredible. Yes. Seven tackles, two for loss, one sack. For someone that I know is focusing on him the entire game, can you explain to people what you saw? He also played 90% of the snaps, which is more than he's played all year. Man. what If he's playing at that level, what are the Eagles capable Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing, first of all, is they had an advantage there. And that's, again, you're, he's your highest paid player on your football team. And if that's where your money is, then in games like that where you go, oh, we have an advantage here, you need to dominate. That's why we're paying you $100 million, Fletcher Cox. And yeah, he did a lot like what a Aaron Donald dominated last week that Atlanta Falcons front too. But it's a different type of domination. This is why I like a Fletcher Fletcher Cox would be my defensive tackle, not Aaron Donald. As much as Aaron Donald's awesome, don't get me wrong, Fletcher Cox is the king, fuck your play up guy, push your guard back into the play. Now your running back wanted to run left, and he goes, damn, I can't go left because the right guard's been pushed over there yeah. by Fletcher Cox. i got to go back right. And between that, pushing the pocket into Matt Ryan's face a few times, and Ryan did a great job stepping up and avoiding he stuff. He played pretty he well. He did, but Fletcher Cox was an, a, an annoyance throughout yes. the game. Uh, we're thinking about hiring an intern to watch every NFL game next season and chart fuck the play up stats, guys mm-hmm. that just ruin the plays, but you'll never get a stat. Right. So if you want to apply, you're going to have to watch every game and take down stats for every single play, but it's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity. It really needs to be an official stat. I mean, that's that's the best part about it. Before Nick Foles threw the ball off Keanu Neal's knee, right. he had 66 yards. After, he had 180. Once the ball hit Keanu the Neal's knee, The one on the last drive before the half? So the drive before the right. half. If, think about it. If yeah. Keanu Neal picks that off, yes. he's one, might take it to the house. Right. Two, is going to get it maybe to where the Falcons, even if they don't score, the Eagles don't get a field goal and no, it's right. 10-6. Right. But then after that, Nick Foles played well. That's that was the concern for the Eagles. I said before the game, a good game for me is Nick Foles, 250, no turnovers. He went like 240-something. Yeah. No touchdowns, but no interceptions. Right. But in the second half, third downs, slants. He just put the ball where it needed to That's be. That's exactly right. Zach Ertz. Corey Clement, right. five receptions on uh, some nice plays and some good variation off the play. Right. The offense was good enough. Nick Foles was somewhere between four touchdowns against the Giants yep. and awful against the Cowboys and the Raiders. Right. That was enough. And I'll tell you what, mm-hmm. because the Eagles are playing Sunday night at 640, yes. it's either Drew Brees in the cold at Lincoln Financial Field or Case Keenum in the cold at Lincoln Financial Field. I'm going to say it right now. I would rather, from an Eagles perspective, someone currently wearing a Reggie White mm-hmm. long sleeve shirt. Yep. I think the Saints are a better matchup because I think the Vikings wanting to play Ball control, really tough defense in that weather. They're going to be used to it too. I, I would but, agree, but the I, Eagles have a chance. The Eagles definitely have a chance. My percentage is from thirteen because it went from six to thirteen. Right. I'm at a. I'm at a Ronnie Lot. You're at a forty-two. I'm at a forty-two. It should, it should be higher I, than that. I I said this when Carson Wentz went down. If the Eagles beat some combination of Vikings, Falcons, Panthers, Saints, and somehow get to the Super Bowl, I'm considering that a success. Right. That's a Super Bowl to sure. me. 
And then when they get there, of course, it's going to change. I, I would agree with you, though. The, the Saints thing, I think, is probably the better matchup. Uh, it's close. It really is. The, the reason I would be more scared of Minnesota is I think Minnesota would go, oh, you want to play a 12-9 football game? Fine. Yes. We can win a 12-9 yes. game, too. We feel good about that. So where the Saints, I don't think, are quite that. The Saints are going to be more, of course, a dangerous offense, I think, for you guys to deal with. But I do think you guys could have some success moving the ball mm. on them as well. And we're going to break we, that down after the game We'll later. break that down. Other thing we just got to talk about, first of all. I mean, first of all, we got to give Jim Schwartz credit. They didn't jump on any slant nope. goes. They didn't nope. let up any big plays really the whole night. So everybody jump off let up his 10 back. Points and seven points were off of the punt and the penalty. And then the other one was an eleven play, fifty nine yard field goal drive when Philadelphia drove down the field and a Jai fumbled at the yes. twenty six yard line going into score. And don't forget they scored because Matt Ryan did a spin and it was an amazing play. Amazing, right? Play. So between that, Jim Schwartz doing that. And then the next thing, which we saw a little bit, but we still want to see more. Run behind the rhinoceros, Brandon Brooks. Yeah, rhinoceros, okay? Respectfully. Sorry, respectfully. You said last night to me that Brandon Brooks is better than Lane Johnson and that he's better than... He would be my number one pick Jason off your Peters. offensive line. Yes, he's a. there's no matchup in football that he can't handle. Even the Aaron Donalds of the world, they're quicker than him, but he's quick enough added to that size to where... He's okay in those matchups, too. But he's immovable. Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks are enormous Man, on the line. If they just continue to run the ball downhill, that's, and they did it at times, and I just want more of it. Did you like the underdog masks? Did you like the dancing in the locker room with Jeff Lurie? I loved it. And Lurie's got the most rhythm I've seen at an owner yet. Really? Yeah, his, he was on You're beat. right. Arthur Blank doesn't even hit the downbeat. No, he, he just the does up. the whole thing like yeah. this the whole time. You're right. Lurie matter. was like, huh. Lurie was like, what? Huh. Yeah. Huh. There's that moment every time, though, where the owner realizes it's going from them celebrating to them mocking him. To everybody him. is going. And then, everyone, and then they just kind of stop right. and they look around. They take like, out the roller. Look at the dumb white guy dancing. <laughs> he's rich and he pays our bills. But damn, he's bad. <laughs> uh, go, owner. Go. Great game. Uh, Patriots-Titans went even more to plan. I mean, pretty much. Uh, there's a lot of people out there complaining about the penalties. It was one thing that you wanted to address right away. Right. There were two penalties that Titans fans, I can kind of understand why they're upset. One, they were called an offensive pass interference on a clutch catch by Eric Decker. Right. But to be honest, on the replay, he pushed him twice. I, I To me. He pushed him in the face and he pushed him they, in the shoulders. I don't know what else they want. The I other, understand if it wasn't called, okay, fine. But I, yes. I still, I thought if you're going, I mean, if you put a gun to my head and said, what would you call there? I would go, it's probably pass. The other one was Titans go down and score a touchdown. Patriots roar back and make it 7-7. Patriots get the ball back again, and they get stopped. And on the punt, there's no penalty. And then they call false start of the Patriots to make it go back. But then they change it to an encroachment on the Titans, giving the Patriots a first down to which they go all the way down the field and score. And you're at this point going, take your tears somewhere else. Yeah, I, I just don't want to hear about it. I mean, yes, that was horrible execution by the referees there on the punt play, but they still got the call right. I mean, that was right. The guy jumped. The offense, offense jumped because he was in yes. the neutral zone. So, and yeah, I, I just, you know, hey, I understand complaining about penalties. This wasn't like Austin Safarian Jenkins end of the game Jets Patriots or Kelvin Benjamin. This wasn't Miami, Ohio This was the State. first quarter. Of the game, I mean the 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 Decker the Decker PI was what second quarter mm-hmm. there was it it was seven seven at that point is that what it was I I, I, I got to go back and watch the game again but I know it was either way I mean there was way too much football to be played and you know Tennessee did you not get the memo you could show up after that for the rest of the game I mean because you didn't so see ya. Patriots defense had eight sacks. Yeah. Part of that is because Jack Conklin went out with an injury. Mm-hmm. Part of it's because Matt Patricia and Belichick dialed up some wild stuff. And mainly because they can just go, screw you, not very good Tennessee wide receivers, and we're going right. to put our three studs on them, and then we're going to play games with all our guys up front. We have always said that the Patriots' ability to take away receivers is special. Whether they do a double team on the number one and then put their best corner on somebody else, they always have some scheme. Right. But now that they have Butler and Gilmore and McCourty, Mm -hmm. they kind of match up with anybody. They do. I'm going to read the last names of the guys that got sacks. You will know them. I will know them. I don't think most of America will know the guys that got sacks for the Patriots. Right. Grissom. Right. Wise. Yeah. Flowers. Right. Flowers. Right. Gene Francois. Yeah. And Butler. Yeah. 
changing of the guard. Right. Last year it was Hightower, Ninkovich. Right. What happened to Chandler Jones? Chris Long. Butler, Francois, Flowers, Flowers, Wise, and Grissom. John Gruden didn't know who Dietrich Wise was yeah. when they played the Dolphins. Not going to lie, we were a little bit embarrassed a little surprised by that, yes. But Adam Butler's been solid all year. Trey Flowers has always been good for the last two years. Yes. The other Flowers had some spunk. Yep. Wise has been great, and mm-hmm. Grissom's a big dude. He is a big dude. And, and Francois, I, I mean, right. I... I I didn't uh, know he was on the team. I did. I thought he was on Washington. Yeah, no, he's been there for for a few weeks. I mean, yeah, and then and then their other guy that's kind of part of that conversation there, the kid Eric Lee, who's been banged up. Mm. I don't think he played a ton last night. I also thought watching that game. Right. Well, we'll finish your point about Eric Lee. No, I just you know they have that that position that Trey Flowers, Dietrich Wise, you know three four four three four, end linebacker. Yeah, they can do a little bit of everything. They're just a vital piece for that defense. And the more they have, the more trickeration and combination. They can trick you with at yes. the line of scrimmage. And, yeah, because of those guys we talked about in the back end, they can do that. But even though we saw some key third downs where, as good as they are covering, they still said, nah, screw you, Delaney Walker. It's third and seven. We're going to double-team double you coverage. and not let you throw to your you know comfy good little I friend. I laughed when Jim Nance was going over the rosters. And it said, here are the linebackers from the Patriots. We got Kyle Van Noy and James Harrison on the outside. And I said, hey, newsflash. One thing that Belichick does every year, look back. He makes a few transactions mid-season yep. or after the season where he acquires value linebackers. Kyle Van Noy was a trade where he pretty much gave up nothing, but the yeah. Lions went, not going to play for us. Yeah, right. James Harrison just scooped him up. He does it every year, yeah. and he gets good, talented linebackers late in the year because that's a position that gets injured often. Injured the Saints often. are missing right. Klein. The Eagles are playing Danelle Ellerby right now. Linebackers get hurt. They get into car crashes. This day and age, it's a huge position because yeah. of all the tight ends and running backs that are so good in the pass game, the no-huddle offense, you need those guys. And then the last part of that wrinkle, why he loves those kind of guys, Lefko, and people overlook this, and me included, I really overlook this, those type of guys are special teams gems. Mm. Oh, punt block, punt protect, run down, make the tackle. Kyle Van Noy missing that's that. That's what I mean. 6'4", 245. He did the same thing with Shea McClellan That's just what I mean. Those are the, so, the, so they're getting their money's worth out of those guys. What did you think of the Patriots' philosophy of using the hurry up to tire out the Titans? Yeah, I think it was brilliant. I wish I did a th- I mean, that's something they do all the time, and I wish I had... Like it just punched them in the mouth. They were not ready for no, it. No, and they have and, and they don't have a lot of depth on that Titan front seven. And they ran. They ran you at wanted first. them to run and they, they ran a lot. They did, but they threw more. I mean they threw right. he threw it fifty three freaking times. He looks so good. Yeah, he was Brady, phenomenal. Zip is there. Yeah. Those two floaters. Right. The one in which so uh, drop by the, James White drops by James White, right. but then the one to Amendola. Yes, the drop in the bucket to Amendola right. caused Sims to stand up, and all of us at his house to go. Let's go hop on the train. Yeah, I said, come on, we're going to the train. It's over. When that play happened, before <laughs> we're going, should we leave? Like right. this is going to be over. Right. He rolled out and dropped it in Amendola, and we went. Let's hit the train. Yes, and it, it was, was over. It was twenty-eight seven, and there was thirteen minutes left in the fourth quarter. And I got to get back to New York. Yeah, and I was like, come on, what's the point of waiting for another hour? You know this. Game game's over. Let's go. Um, yeah, but no, the, the Patriots were able to run the ball. Yeah. Hogan looks healthy. Mm-hmm. Gronk looks great. Cooks is a valuable weapon. The Patriots are the squad. Oh, but with Deion Lewis, too. I mean, just Deion Lewis, yeah. it, I mean, other than Gronk, he's the second most important part of the offense for me. Deion Lewis is so special. See, when, when James White's in the game, they're going to only throw the ball to him, really. That's the thing you got to look at for the okay. Patriots, right? That's really what he's in there. Deion Lewis, like Rex Burkhead, they like them the best because they go, you don't know what we're going to do. They might be a slot receiver, yeah. but they can run it between the tackles equally as good, and that's really what New England gets you by the proverbial balls. Speaking of New England being New England, right. is it anything more New England than giving the ball to Brandon Bolden to get a touchdown? Right. Like, what? I know. I didn't even know he was on the team. He redrafted him the what? year I was Bur- there. Head. Uh, everybody. I know. Brandon Bolden. Brandon Bolden was like, I think, a fifth round running back out of Ole Miss. Good little running back in college. Yeah. He's the f- fourth running back on the roster on a year to year basis, but 
he is a machine on special teams. Yeah. And Bill loves him because of Props that. Props to Brady. Brady can play three more years if he doesn't get Definitely. healthy. Definitely. I mean, it's all. It's just if he doesn't get healthy. If he doesn't get healthy, right. The only thing you're going to see Brady hurt. or just like the wear of the season. Like we saw at the end of the year. I think the wear of the season caught up to him but because you he's said 40. after this bye, he yeah. looked like he did mid year. No doubt. Those throws he made, the, the touch throws, some of the bullets yeah. he made down the middle, that was like Tom Brady week 10 where I was like, oh, he's he's in this conversation for the MVP, which I mean, he's going to be the MVP. But is Malarkey the coach of the Titans next year? Gosh, I don't think they want him, but I'm going to say yes. So you're going to say he stays. I think he's going to stay. I think they're going to have a hard time. My quarterback was hurt. The penalties. Exactly. I think they're going to have a hard time like pulling the trigger on that one. Damn. And, and now that it looks like McDaniels is going to Indianapolis. I, I mean, we said this last week. This is what I thought all along. So but, it's funny. Yeah. Can we talk about now what Go you ahead, wouldn't sure, say? Sure. So Sims heard. Go ahead. Like a week or two, McDaniels to Indianapolis. Right, like that's what you heard. And I just told you, don't tell anybody. It's but yes, I I said the leader in the clubhouse is McDaniels going to the Colts. And what I thought was really funny was Romo goes, "Hey, you know, uh, it looks like both coordinators are going to leave." And Nance is like, "Well, we don't want to talk about that just yet." And then because he didn't want to get beat, Nance goes, "But I could definitely see McDaniels going to the Colts." And I looked at you during the game and I went, "Nance had to get that out. Right. He had to be because now Schefter's reporting it. Right. We're going to get to McDaniels in a second, but I just thought that was such a Nance move. Yes, that game from the Patriots winning thirty-five to fourteen to the calls kind of going their way to Nance having to steal the show and Romo being too obsessed with replay. Right. I just thought it was that a total it was, New England CBS oh showing, God. right? So the one big surprise in the coaching news yeah. has been last week the New York Daily News or the Post or whichever paper said Patricia's going to the Giants, and now Patricia sounds like he's going to the Lions. Of course he is. Uh, it the makes, Giants have messed this up a little bit in my eyes. Yeah, the Giants sound like they want the two New England coaches. And they're not going to get either. The problem is they didn't confer somehow with the New England coaches to go, hey, if we hire this GM that's oh. not associated with you, will you still come here? To me, that is the number one factor in this. Is I've, that a you guessing? Are you hearing something or reading into listen, something? Uh, I've told you this. Oh, I know this. Something. Well, I just you know it. the one thing I hear all the time, not even this year, but going back to other years, and then I also think about Josh and the positions he's been in. You know, first is this is. The New England way. They believe in New England way. They truly do. They want to be around guys that are uh, like, that's why I think Patricia goes to Detroit hands down because Bob Quinn's there and he goes, okay, I can coach the team. I know Bob's going to run the same scouting system we did in New England. So he's going to know which players we're going to be. Right. We're going to be all on the same page. I'm going to be able to go in the dock and understand (laughs) what the scouting numbers are because it's not a new system to me. It's a language. It's a language. Exactly right. So that. Now, Josh to the Colts, I understand that's not a New England guy, but the Tennessee thing. John Robinson being there, that is okay. Yeah. So I think if that didn't, if the Titans didn't win last week, there's a good chance he might be there. But I just think with Josh's situation, he's going, man, it's Andrew Luck. And Chris Ballard does have a great reputation and certainly has a system in place to where I don't think, yeah, it's not the New England way, yeah. but Ballard's legit. And I have this quarterback that I can do special things with. Let me just really quick yeah. Patricia to the Lions, do you like it? I do like it. Yeah, he's I think he's going to do the defense. I think he's Jim made, Bob Cooter and Stafford do the offense. Right. They're in a division that's winnable. Yes, I think he's made for Detroit too. That, I, don't think Matty, be the, I don't think Matty P's New York material. I think the NFC North might be the best division in football next year. It's it's got if a the chance. Bears are going to come up, right. the Lions are going to come up. Rodgers will be healthy. You the Vikings will be good. It'll right. be good. Yeah, I know. Uh, but so you like that? It I makes do. sense. McDaniel's to the Colts. Yes. Do you like that? I love that. I mean, he apparently has more confidence in Andrew Luck's health than we do. I mean, hopefully he knows something. That actually makes me happier. Yeah. Because it means maybe Andrew Luck is healthy. I would think Josh McDaniels would not be even attempting to take that job. I'd also argue that the Colts outperformed their record a lot this season. They were in every game they played. Yeah. Even the Seattle game that they not got Not as blown far out. off as people think. They got a lot of big people. They got some athletes on the back end. Oh, lines not as far off as no, people they think. They just got to be healthy, too. They just got to be healthy, too. Exactly right. You got and they've got a solid backup at Jacoby, who he's been been with. Mm-hmm. I know. So that's interesting. It is. Uh, with all that being said, the rumors are now that Pat Shermer would come to the Giants. Yeah. And I like this too. Yeah. From this regard. Right. McDaniels and um, who's the GM they just brought in from Carolina? Gettleman. Gettleman. Right. I don't know. It's kind of speed and size. Shermer was just in Minnesota. Right. 
And I kind of think Carolina and Minnesota were built similarly. They're not far off. I and would so agree I can that. kind of understand a Gettleman Shermer of a big power with like option plays off of that. Right. The question there is going to be who's the quarterback for the yep. Giants? Sure. But do you like Shermer in New York? I do like. I can deal with Shermer in New York. I, I'm a fan of Shermer. I mean, I, I think too. he's got a great little base of a lot of different coaching systems. He's been around. He's a no nonsense guy. The, like I told you, the offense has grown since his days in Cleveland. Uh, he's added more things to it yeah and yes it, it his offense also you know it, it's it converts to northeast type football too. absolutely he oh, was in philadelphia right so he gets all that and um yeah i'm i'm all for it i mean this is a guy that's yeah he's been around philadelphia with chip kelly yeah he's been around nick saban in michigan state you know he's been around some west coast guys so it's it's a pretty good coaching lineage that that he's been around i am also ready to it uh, too hot it's hot in here freaking uh, a you're, you're, you're my swag. Um, the other thing that I know is I know which quarterback I want the Giants to have. Who's that? I want the law firm of Shermer and Rosen <laughs> to be New York. I've thought about it. I was right. explaining this to Canvasser. To have a 23-year-old Rosen right. as the quarterback of the New York Giants. Do you know how many Rosens are in New York? A lot of them. Josh There's Rosen. More Rosenbergs. <laughs> Josh Rosen would have to move to Murray Hill. And he'd be at Katz's Deli at oh. 1 o'clock on a Saturday night. Josh Rosen. I mean, I know a million Josh Rosens. They all live on 23rd and 3rd. A Jewish quarterback in oh New York God. City that's a star. I mean, this place will go on fire. You're right. Shermer this and Rosen. This will be a big deal. Get it your locks. Get your locks at Shermer and Rosen. It I just would be think cool. it's funny. It would be. Uh, the other thing that I think caught my attention. Uh, by the way, I hope that Belichick is down in Brian Flores going... Patricia is leaving. You'll be my defensive coordinator. Oh. I know that teams are looking at you for the head coaching job, but be my DC. I think that's what will happen. Don't you worry. Do you think Belichick would say that to him? Well, yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody in the everybody realizes how good of a coach Brian Flores is. Be be flow as we call him. Do you but, think he's ready for a head coach, or would it be smart? No, to do I that? think it's. I don't. You know, and, and and you know, listen. Could he pull it off? Maybe. Certainly, he's got all the right attributes to pull it off. But yes. no, I always favor. No, go run a unit first. You've been running just a part of a unit, and now you think you're going to run a team? I just think that's a very hard transition to make, and really not a lot of people have done it successfully throughout their careers. So to me, it's, yes, be in charge of a whole side of a ball, and that'll help you in the future to be in charge of both sides of the ball. And uh, I, I, I think he is going to be a, a star in the making at some point. A lot of people accuse you yeah. of um, nepotism. Right. We only listen to Chris Sims because of Phil Sims, which always makes me laugh right. because you've now far exceeded that. Right. But in the beginning, it's something you had to deal with. Sure. But even this nepotism with North Turner caught you off guard. North Turner hired as the offensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. His son, Scott, is the quarterback's coach, mm-hmm. just got hired. Mm-hmm. His nephew, Cameron, is already the assistant quarterback's coach. And his brother, Ron, is an offensive consultant. They have four turn- turners on the staff. Yep. How does that make you feel? I just think it's ridiculous. It's a, it's a, it's what's wrong. Everything that's wrong with the NFL right now. It has become coaching in the NFL has become a position of elect. That's really what it is. It's no longer about what you know, how talented of a coach you are, how creative. Shit, the better you are at those things, the more people try to hate at you and don't even let you get into business. Kyle. I mean, exactly. Right. I mean, so if you're not just a total ass-kisser choir boy, uh, but yes, I mean, you want to know why there's the lack of African-American coaches? It's instances like this. You know, again, it's just recycled bullcrap. And yeah, the first thing that I would be led to believe in a a lot of ways, and this is not disrespect for Norv, but Norv's at a time in his career, I honestly think he's taking this job to help out. Out his family. That's why he's doing it. His son was out of football. He's trying to give him a job, give him mm. a future. So this was his way to do it. And he was with him in Minnesota too. Yes, wide right. receivers coach, right? Yes. So to me, I think he was the quarterbacks coach there. Oh, actually, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So uh, what yeah, do you think? It's about, just not a good look. I feel like we we might be a little higher on Schottenheimer to Seattle than most people. I'm still not excited about no, it. No, but but yeah, it's not the worst. Um, Schottenheimer is 
got every play Daryl Bevel did, so don't forget about yeah. that. And I would say he also has a better run game to add into that. So, uh, yeah, I'm which not they in haven't love had there it. in five years, exactly, or since uh, Marshawn Lynch left. So, what we're going to do is we're going to recap our quick predictions for Jacksonville, Pitt, New Orleans, Minnesota. Those games are about to start, and then if you're listening to the podcast, we're going to come on and just tell you if we were right or not because we're going to record right after the game. Yeah. So, Jacks Pitt, your favorite game of the weekend, favorite the one game. you're most excited for. Yep. What is your official prediction? My official prediction is Pittsburgh 20 to 10. I cannot wait. Murder, death, kill on the field Sunday at 1 o'clock in Pittsburgh. I just can't wait for the physicality. This game has more alpha, crazy, psycho males on yes. the field. And I mean that respectfully, okay? Bleacher Report quality yeah. control. That these guys are going to go totally crazy. Jacksonville knows the only way they can win this game is to just out hit and make physically freakish type plays. And they're going to try to go all out to do that and make that happen. Uh, I believe Pittsburgh wins big. Yeah. I believe that this is close. Like I how think... big? Like you're, I said 20 to 10. You think more than that? Yeah, I see. Like 27 10, 27 7. What are you talking about here? Uh, first thing that came to my mind was 27-3. What was that? Was that? 27-3. <laughs> <27 to 3. laughs> I think that this is a 10-3 game at halftime. Right. And then 27-3, I think it gets away from them. Yeah, okay. Uh, Minnesota, New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, it's in Minnesota. Right. They got to buy. You went... The Minnes- Saints to cover the spread, right. but Minnesota, the spread is, I think, four and a half or five. 27 24, Minnesota. I do think that this will be an exciting game. There will be big plays on both sides of the ball. I really expect that. I just think at the end of the day that the Minnesota defense will be able to get a stop or two when need be because they're extremely talented. The one thing to watch out for to me in this game where you can just become a little dangerous for Minnesota, this is the only way I really see them losing is if their defense has to be on the field for a long time. They are not a deep unit, especially up front. And that would worry me a little bit because yeah. this big potting O-line of the Saints, if they just were, okay, the first half is gone and we had the ball for 22 minutes, then I would go, ooh, this is not good for Minnesota mm-hmm. because in the second half, I don't know if their guys will be able to stay in there, but I, I expect Minnesota to win 27-24. I am going 24-17 Minnesota. Okay. The Vikings defense reigns supreme. few big plays from the Saints, but I think the Vikings win big. Uh, I hope the games go where we think. Uh, and we're really excited. Everyone on Facebook Live, enjoy the games. And for the podcast, we're going to be right back to see if we're right we'll be back. or if we're wrong. Enjoy the games, guys. Just when you think you know what is going to happen, you have no freaking idea. No clue. We left going. I said, oh, I think the Steelers beat the Jaguars 27-3. <laughs> and the Vikings, you know, beat up the Saints. And I felt good about that one. And that's 100% where we're starting. Right. Because we just watched with the game over. Case Keenum throw a beautiful 30-yard corner route. Right. And then Marcus Williams whiff and Stefan Diggs go 61 yards to the house. You pointed at me and the screen and said, holy fucking shit. And I still can't believe we're sitting here and I'm looking at a screen that says the Vikings won by five. It's unreal. And, I mean, yeah, I was yelling at Diggs to go out of bounds because I was like, damn, they need to kick the field goal. But he kept running. I lost my voice just on that play. <clears throat> it's totally gone. Yeah, you were completely fine before I went that off, off on that play, <laughs> and I reached the limit to where my voice was like, no moss. But I thought he had to get out of bounds, too. I did, too. I'm glad they won for this reason. I do think they were the better team on the field. You know, you got to take into account missed field goal. They're up seventeen nothing. They dumb interception, field goal, yeah. right? Um, so those three things alone. And now listen, I understand that's part of and, executing and, and being they better. Got sacked on third down in the third quarter. At the quarter, start, that took the first drive of the third range. quarter, right? So I, I just thought as a whole, I felt better about Minnesota as a total football team. Of course, you never count Breeze and Peyton out. I mean, that was a that was a phenomenal football game, and I'm happy for the fans of Minnesota. That would have been like torture. I think that was one of the coolest moments. It was one of the craziest moments from this regard. Right. We got the line at four and a half. Many people got the line at five or five and a half. They're up five. They have to kick the extra point. It was surreal from this. There's so much money on the game. Yep. The Saints have to come back onto the field after the Vikings have run on the field and are celebrating. And then Case Keenum starts a skull chant in which he's in the middle of the field. 
Skull, Skull. I mean, this is a guy that's got no respect. You were worried that Case Keenan was going to throw a pick on the last drive, right. and he'd finish the game with 240 yards and two picks, and we'd go, Case Keenum sucked, when he really wasn't that bad. He was no. actually played pretty, a pretty good game. No. But instead he finishes with 300 yards, one touchdown, all of a sudden he's a legend. Yeah, well, that, that, I was worried about that. I mean, yeah, he made the horrible interception in the third quarter. or was Yeah, that was the third quarter, the interception to Marcus Williams, who... And, gave the favor back there right. at the end by making a horrible attempt at a tackle on Diggs. Um, <clears throat> but I did, I did worry about that. I worried that he was going to throw, in, try to force the ball down the field, get an interception, and then everyone was going to look at the bottom style and see, Case Keenum didn't play good in the playoff game. He wasn't ready. It's two interceptions. Right. So regardless, uh, it was just a jaw-dropping moment. It was an amazing game. I'll be excited to go back and watch some of the things done on film, too. You brought up that play from Giants-Niners 1988. Right. Giants-Niners. 1988. Giants are winning 17-13 against the 49ers. It's third and 10. And Montana throws a go route down the right sideline to Jerry Rice. The safety comes over and tackles the corner almost like Marcus Man. Williams did tonight. And With Jerry 40 Rice seconds for, And left. Jerry Rice ran for a touchdown. Right. So that was the first thing you thought of. And that is on YouTube, so check it out. Yeah. It, it was a crazy game. I mean, Willie Sneed. The fact that the Saints on third and one had a play in which Willie Sneed was going to throw to Alvin Kamara and he was wide open right after I looked at you and said, I don't know, Sean Payton's in that spot where he wants to make the world burn. Yes. I mean, that Payton's challenging of the two plays. And having no like one timeout Now it didn't come back to bite them in the butt, certainly. And I think you could sit here, too, if you're a Saints fan and go, man, you know, hey, Everson Griffin getting his hand on the ball on when they're yes. down in, in the red zone and the ball gets tipped in the air. Anthony Barr gets the interception. That was a huge swing of momentum as well because the Saints were in a position there to start making the game somewhat close. Um, Breeze, you were willing to say early on that Breeze was having another bad game, but he came out in the second half. It was a fire. lot of short fields, but he was putting the ball wherever he wanted. He, he the really half. was. Yeah, I mean, early on too, he was putting the ball where he wanted. I just didn't know if he was going to ever make be able to make any of the big plays happen. Uh, that was the big thing for me more than anything. Sean Payton, this will take a while to get over. Yeah, it's a brutal loss. I mean, when you when you're sitting on the sidelines going, okay, we've done it. You know, we're up by one. The game's over. It's going to take a miracle for them to win this. Yes. And then the And you're sitting there. Yeah. You're thinking, like, okay, I mean, hopefully it won't happen on the sidelines. Come on. Let's just get out of this. And you don't really expect it to happen. It's there creeping in your mind. But that's devastating. They will. They're going to have a heavy heart for the next week or two, for sure. When the play started, you said, why is Manti Teo playing middle linebacker? I just didn't understand why they had anybody in the middle of the field. I would have had people deep and probably another extra guy on each sideline because... Invite them to throw the ball in the middle of the field. Go here, here you go. Here's 30 yards over the middle, and you'll never get a playoff. It doesn't matter. So why put anybody there? I didn't. I didn't understand that. that. It was a cool nugget you said too in the beginning of the drive or in the middle of the drive. They had 18 seconds left, yes. and you said Belichick has always said that 18 seconds is enough time to have like a 20 or 30 yard gain in the middle of the field and get up there and spike it. Yeah, 18 seconds. If you got no timeouts, that was pretty much the limit to where if you execute correctly, you could throw the ball down the middle of the field. Still and if everybody gets on their horse as soon as the ball's completed, yep. you should be able to spike the ball with one or two seconds left on the clock. And then at 14 seconds left, you said, well, they're screwed. They're screwed. <laughs> Apparently not. And then one, two plays later, touchdown. Um, man, they came out like a ball of fire, too. Up 17 nothing, and we were ready to do the podcast right then. Yeah, well, I missed the field goal before the half. I mean, really could have put, them, put themselves in a really, you know, position of strength. Um, I'll say this. Uh... I do worry about the Vikings, not only against you guys, but I'm thinking big picture football fan, right? I worry about the Vikings from the standpoint of you guys, the Philadelphia Eagles, when I say you guys. I think they can hang in there. Of course, they can win the football game. They are favored by three. But so, And I get that. I think that's just. What I worry about, though, with a team like the Vikings, they are so thin up front. They're talented up front, but and you mean they're D-line. Yes, like if they have to play New England in the Super Bowl, they'll do what they did to Tennessee. They're gonna just they're gonna get in the shotgun, and he's gonna go hurry up, and he's gonna go tempo, and all of a sudden, Everson Griffin and them are gonna look up, and they're gonna go, 
we've played 65 snaps and it's only halfway through the third quarter. And Shamar and Stevens when, just got hurt. Right. So that is something I really to look at going forward with the Minnesota Vikings. Ultimate news dump. Titans offer Mike Malarkey extension in wake of their playoff run. Okay. As all this is going. So there, on. That, at least the, that answers our question from earlier. So there he is. He's uh, there. But the Vikings get the win. I agree that they were the better team. The Saints, though, were fantastic in the second half. Yes. Alvin Kamara, an unbelievable year. Drew Brees, great season. Cam Jordan had another amazing, amazing game. game. Was in the backfield with Case Keenum the right. whole time. Right. Um, wow. I just can't believe it ended like that. It's a heartbreaker. It's a heartbreaker in a year like this, too, for people like Sean Payton and Drew Brees who probably look at the rest of the NFL and go... No, we everybody in, we can beat every anybody in the field left. Like there was no, I know New England's the favorite. You but I don't, said towards the end of that game when right. we were sitting over there, you're like the Saints probably are the best chance to beat the Patriots of those teams. Yes, they got the weapons, they got the run game, the pass game. That along with they're aggressive on defense, so they're not going to let New England get every easy completion in the yeah, world. Because the Vikings were doing that to the Saints tonight a little bit, yeah, right? And so that that's what yes, the Saints would have been one of those teams where I looked at where if it was Saints Patriots Super Bowl, I think we'd have been guaranteed to get a good game. Like, guaranteed. I worry about some of the matchups now. Like, your Eagles team, certainly. Yeah, I know they can do it. Or they can get their ass kicked. But, yeah, they could get down, like, 17 nothing early and then get killed. Right? Yes. Right. Uh, how? What is that matchup, Vikings-Eagles? Um, Just quick, because we're going to do it yeah, yeah, Thursday we'll go de- uh, the, the first thing I think of is this, is that their defense slightly better than yours. Vikings better than Eagles. Um, but just slightly, just a little bit. And I think their offense is slightly better than yours as well. Um, I, I mean, really, it, I think it's going to be a low-scoring physical football game. 16-13, kind of one of those Case games. Keenum and Green Bay, cold, right. not a great offensive game. Sure. It, it's different when it's outside. No doubt about it. On the road, so loud environment. Chance. Yes, they have a chance. All right, I'm just they saying definitely it it's fun do. to say. Yes. Uh, the four quarterbacks that are left in the playoffs now, Nick Foles and Case Keenum, both under Jeff Fisher's tutelage in the St. Louis Rams. And on the other side, it is not Big Ben, who threw for 400 yards, five touchdowns, should have been six, yeah. because that the lateral. the lateral was a throw. Which is amazing play. And Tom Brady, but no, it is Blake Bortles and Tom Brady. You can't win the Super Bowl unless you got a franchise quarterback. You can't even get there. Can't even sniff it. It was so funny. Need on a face thir- of the franchise. On Thursday, I read the matchups between the super experienced guy and the guy with no experience. Yes. Case Keenum in his first playoff game beat Drew Brees with a dozen. Nick Foles in his second beat Matt Ryan in 10. Uh, Blake Bortles in his second beat Ben Roethlisberger with I don't even know. The only veteran QB that won was Tom Brady. Yes. Only and guy. That was surgical. We saw that. This was an interesting experience watching Steelers-Jaguars with you because we're at a time where you have become the face of the Blake Bortles is not a good quarterback movement. And what's really funny is it's not out of any maliciousness. It's not out of personal. It's a straight-up observation, and it's fact. But to watch this game, and the other reason it's funny is you were the first person to say the Jags have a Super Bowl roster. You were the first person to say the Jaguars can go up to New England and beat them, and yet you're being deemed a Jaguars hater, and which is so untrue. I was rooting for the Jaguars today. During Anybody the game, a Bleacher Report will tell you. During the game, Tim's is saying, fuck you, Pittsburgh, you idiots. Jaguars are going to win this game. Yeah, I love watching Jacksonville play. Listen, my observation about Blake Portals is just my honest-to-God truth evaluation, as you can see. And... I love the fact that they're winning with them. Great. It's showing everybody that we've put the quarterbacks on a pedestal of like ridiculousness this day and age in the NFL. You don't need I know Tom Brady and Bill Belichick do it every year. I get that. But it's still a team sport and quarterbacks need teams around them and sometimes average quarterbacks with really good teams around them can still go far. And that's the three teams in the playoffs right. that are not the Patriots. The exactly. Eagles, the Vikings, Jacks, I mean, the yeah. Jaguars, and the Vikings right. are all really good right. teams with an average quarterback. Right. So, again, Jacksonville Jacksonville special. I would also like to state that, I mean, you said it to me, Jerry, I said before the season started, the New England Patriots, the Jacksonville Jaguars are stupid for scrimmaging the New England Patriots in the preseason because 
they had a team that could maybe face them in the, you in don't the playoffs. Do so Belichick and Brady got a week of scouting the Jaguars, got to see routes that maybe Jalen Ramsey and Bouye didn't cover so well. They get to get this good-looking person to go, ooh, they're impressive. We can't ask our own line to do this against that D-line. That was a dumb move by Jacksonville. I said it then. I'll say it now. It is going to come back to bite them. Uh, but Jacksonville's special, man. And anybody who wants to say, like, the whole Blake Bortles thing, listen, I don't really give a damn. I don't need friends, but I don't understand, like, people saying, like, Blake Bortles won the game. This is where the bar has been lowered to. If he throws the swing route to Yeldon behind the line of scrimmage, we go, huh, look at that throw. You know, I understand through the post down the middle. I'm seeing people post things. Right. Bortles hung up 45 on the Steelers. It was 28-7. Bortles at halftime. Right. It's 28 to 14. Right. Bortles stats, he was 7 for 14 for 83 yards. Right. I, I listen. 7 for 14, 83 yards, and they had 28 mm. points. Bortles didn't hang up shit. Stop discrediting his team. Give the defense credit. Give that offensive line credit. Give the running backs credit. This man hits a wide-open fullback in the end zone, and you act like he's freaking Joe Montana. I, well, yeah, it's I, crazy. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. Let's I'm not, happy to be on the right side of this. Okay, but let's not hate on him, and let's, let's not act like we're rooting against I'm him. I'm not you saying it's I mean? him at all. I'm just saying to give him credit for yeah. those 45 points People can, is insane. But you've taught me this. And I, I didn't really realize that everybody was maybe sometimes not seeing the same game I'm watching. I don't know, but you're right. Everybody's a prisoner in the moment, okay? So everybody just goes from that. And I, I, I guess there's just a lot of people out there who don't really see the game. I don't, I don't really no, no. understand They saw it. a deep pass to Keelan Cole right. that was underthrown, and Keelan Cole made a good play right. on it. And they saw the wide open. And then what, the dump off to Yeldon? I don't know. Whatever. It's all right. But, but I can't. I'm pumped. I know. Because I get to see this defense against Brady. Man. It's going to be awesome. And it's going to be actually, like, in a lot of ways, it's going to be a tougher test, yes, because New England's offense and Brady are so surgical. But I'll say this, like I said to you earlier, the fact that it's on the surface in New England plays into the favor of Jacksonville. Because if you thought Jacksonville was fast today, wait till you see them on field turf. You actually think the Patriots would rather play this game in Jacksonville. They should call Jacksonville and go, we'll give you home field. We'll come down there, (laughs) slug you down a little bit. All your 4-3 and 4-4 guys will be 4-5 and 4-6. Plays to our favor. It was this game was incredible in a few different ways. One, you're a firm believer that Mike Tomlin has put himself on the hot seat. I do, I and think, I'll yes, say that the right. offensive coordinator Todd Haley's in trouble too because those two fourth down play calls, the run to the wide, which the is toss insane, right, and then the other one, the throw, which right. Juju I maybe could have had, Would but have been it's a still great a great catch. And why not run up the middle? Right, and then the overall game plan at all, you went. You you made the coaches a loser in this game. I did. I well, I just thought to come out of the game, okay, and all we know is Pittsburgh's one of the best running teams in the game. Le'Veon Bell's amazing. Pittsburgh's got this big offense line. Jacksonville's weakness is the run defense. The Bills had some success running on them last week. And Pittsburgh comes out and spreads the field to start the game. Oh, oh, oh. You're and Miles Jackson made an interception. Really? You mean one of the fastest linebackers in football covered your, you know, slow tight end and undercut him and made it. So I just didn't understand the approach. And like, then the onside kick too. Then the onside kick at the end was totally ridiculous. Two minutes and change. You have two tight timeouts, punt the ball down there, and yeah. get a stop, which they, they got the stop. And right? it turned into a field goal instead of a punt. Goal. That was that was horrible. That really was. But yes, I don't understand it. It's like Pittsburgh basically said, we learned from last game, we feel better, we have a little bit better plan of attack, but we're not going to totally change the way we were playing. We still we think we can beat you the way we did the first time. And they should have just gone, you know what? We're willing to win the game 12-9. to Screw you. We'll run yeah. it and just be ugly. And then they lost control. You said this also while the game was going on. Pittsburgh hasn't played a competitive game in like a month because the Texans game was out of hand. They rested their starters for the Browns. They had a bye. It's been four weeks and it looked like it. it and the fa- You were surprised. I, you obviously are not on social media. Mike Mitchell came out and said that we can beat the Patriots anywhere. Le'Veon Bell said we're excited to to get a rematch of the Patriots the next week, and you were shocked by that. I just just can't even believe it. 
the biggest, baddest mofos on the planet right now are the Jacksonville Jaguars. I just wouldn't say anything to mess with them. They're looking for it. I mean, just like we heard on social media too, right? I mean, they were outside Pittsburgh's locker room. They're looking to fight Mike. Mike, Mike, Mike they want to fight yeah. you. They're, they're like, they want you to say that shit. Jalen Ramsey talking about Wait till you hear Belichick and Brady, Brady talk oh, about them this week. Are they just going to be? They're the greatest defense I've ever seen. That's the greatest player. They're going to just blow the Jaguars they're, one after they're Incredible. A circle jerk, okay? Jalen Ramsey could be my father. <laughs> yes, right. Wow. All right, so apparently BR is calling it the Minnesota Miracle. What do you think? Uh, that's a good name. That's amazing. It Digging amazing. out of a hole? I feel good. <laughs> that's not bad. That's not bad. I'm just looking at some. I, we need to give credit to Antonio Brown. Oh. Partially yes. torn calf. Some of the catches he made today. A.J. Bouye did not allow a touchdown in coverage all season. And Antonio Brown put up two on him. And one, he caught the bottom of the ball. Right. And, was, so, and it wasn't like he wasn't covered. Like, Bouye was there. That's he, the thing I'm most amazed by with Antonio by anything. The size of the man he is, but the amount of balls he catches that are 50-50 jump balls – uh, he's he's truly an amazing player, an amazing competitor, just an absolute baller. This is the best year of Antonio Brown's career. I thought he was amazing this year. Really? Is yeah, he going up in your rankings? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's hard to deny it. And and even before he got hurt, they just I, I I'm not into stats. I'm into the quality and quantity of play and catches and yes. the when when the catches occur and when your team needs them. And he just was clutch and answered the bell all year long. I mean, when you look at Ben's throws in this game, he had the long touchdown to Antonio Brown, which made it twenty-one to seven. Then he comes up with a deep touchdown to Martavis Bryant. On that was on six. fourth and six, makes it twenty-eight to fourteen. Then the touchdown to Le'Veon on the wheel route, uh, which is just unbelievable, and that made it twenty-eight twenty-one. But I think the play that stopped all of our hearts was it was fourth and five again, and there's nine minutes left, and they're down thirty-five to. And we're going game over. Do you kick a field goal? What's the point? And you were literally going. I wrote all of this down so I didn't forget. It's on the 30. It's on a fourth and five. And you're going, they should punt. This is a mistake. You're going, they should punt. This is a mistake. And then Ben goes up. And as he's climbing the pocket, you yelled, why isn't he going to run for it? Why didn't he run? And then he threw that touchdown Antonio Brown. And I've seen a lot of great games from Big Ben. Yeah. This might be the best game I've ever seen. I I, I don't think uh, I'm glad you're bringing it up because we don't don't let it get lost in translation. You've always said he's one of the best deep ball throwers, and there were four in this game because I think the Le'Veon throw was incredible right. touch too. All of those five touchdowns the ones you talked about, Antonio Brown, they were perfect. And then and then the the. The for lateral? him, the lateral. I, he needs to get some credit for that in the stat book. <laughs> right. Because he ran up and then threw it back. Uh, just have the presence of mind to score by any means necessary. Yes. We have always talked about, lately in the last year and a half, about how Ben seems lackadaisical. He doesn't get along with his coaching staff because he needs to be treated like a prima donna. Right. We've taken a lot of shots. Sure. But that was special. It was a special performance. Uh, to me, he only made one mistake the whole game. And that was the interception of Miles Jack? Not even that. Because he threw the ball exactly where he wanted to. Jack just made a really good play. He undercut it. He's more physically gifted than the guy he was covering. The fumble, though. Oh, when he held you, it way too you long. You just got to know this is Jacksonville. And it's like, Yannick and Gakwe They're coming who from behind you just because you stepped up in the pocket and think you got time. Yeah, so that would be the only play I looked at the whole day where I just go, oh, man, just come on. Sometimes you just got to tuck tail and fall down or whatever it may be and get take the sack. He played so well that after the game, Ben said, oh, no, I'm back next. Sure. Good. He and should you, be. You, but usually he'd play the retirement uh, stuff. You think, lost, you think Tomlin's in trouble there? Huh? Well, I think Tomlin has now put himself in the conversation for the hot seat next year if things don't go great. Like if they blow some end of the game management in week four, and then all of a sudden we look up and it's week nine of the season and Pittsburgh, you know, is only four and four. They're five and three. There's going to be the talk. It's going to start because they've given them a jumping off point in a game where everybody thought you should win. And this is a team that can win the Super Bowl this year. And I think most people would agree that Pittsburgh is the best team in the AFC. I'm not saying we thought they could definitely beat New England. I think everybody thinks they are better than New England, but actually beating New England's a whole different story. Yeah. This was their year. This was their year to win it. It's good as, well, it's a good a year as they've had in a while. Because it was it's a it's an injured That's, Patriots team. It's not quite as without good as it's been. Dante Hightower and right. some of those weapons. Right. Yeah. This was this was the year to me, and they've blown that opportunity now. Jags Patriots. Yeah. 
Jaguars, Patriots. Has to go a little bit like we said. We'll break it down later, but it, it's got to yeah, go. Yeah, what's your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts is that you know what I think. Jacksonville on that surface is going to be tough. Jacksonville has guys like Miles Jack who can cover Rob Gronkowski when they split him out, or Jalen Ramsey, however they want to go with it. But Miles Jack, the middle linebacker, who will cover Nick, like, slot receivers man-to-man sometimes. His physical ability is through the roof. I just think of that. I still don't think there's any way Jacksonville can win the game unless they make they got to make two defensive altering plays, like give the team the short field or get a pick six, something like that. I, that has to happen. It's crazy to me that but if, it you, can. if you told me the Jaguars would put up 45 on the Steelers, I go, oh, they definitely win. But if you told me Ben hung up 42 on the Jaguars, I go, oh, well, then the Jaguars' defense crumbled. Yes. Uh, the line in that game is Patriots by nine. Yeah, I could see that. I think it's the right line. It the Jaguars. It could be thirteen th- ten. I feel like every line with the Jaguars this year, whether they're favored or underdogs, is by like seven or more. Yeah, they're expected to either win by ten or right. lose by ten. Because I think the Vegas looks at it goes, oh, they're better than this team. They'll cause a few of those crazy plays and get the sack fumble, the sack Patriots strip fumble. In whatever. the last two years, yeah. are thirty one and eight against the spread, right. and now. In games in which they're favored by 13 or more, are nine out of their last 10. That's amazing. And now they're facing a team that, to me, is the ultimate wild card. Yep. And Blake Bortles, how many yards did he run for? Uh, let's see. Bortles ran for 35. It's it's a viable option. It is. And it's a simple offense. I would be remiss if we didn't give more praise for Nathaniel Hackett. Yes, we got to. There, there are a lot of offensive coordinators that have lost their jobs because of poor quarterback play. There are very few that figure out how to hide it right. and establish simple routes and mm-hmm. concepts that work. And what Nathaniel Hackett has done this season, you were predicting 90% of the plays today. You're going, he's going to go out, he's going to go out, and you go, oh, they flipped it this week. You know exactly what he's going to do, but I thought that fullback to Bahannon touchdown. Amazing. Fantastic. Fantastic. But that's how when when you don't have a quarterback, you need to be simple, but your simple calls need to be elaborate. Right. And that was an elaborately simple call. No doubt. Where it's not a lot of combinations, but you just you've been running this play so much that why but it's they just they were like, Oh, I got by the fullback so easily. That's what happens with simple teams though that can make it this far. Right. Because That's why the Seahawks were so good. Coaches break it down, they go when they get that formation, they've done that a hundred times this year, and they've done play B a hundred times when they've been in that formation. Yeah, and then it gets to a big game, and that team goes, you know, we've been in this formation a hundred times this year, and run play B a hundred times. Right. How about this week we do this? This is a fantastic. I'm like getting more simple. excited for the Patriots Jaguars game yeah. because the Jaguars really could beat them up at every single position. And what's incredible is the Patriots' defensive strength this year is their ability to cover receivers right. against a good passing team. Right. The Jaguars do not care. No. The Jaguars go. That's Great, but can they tackle? Yeah. And that's going to be a whole other world. Fournette was amazing. We're going to have to see how his body is. If he holds up. Right. But the line was dominant today. (sighs) Dominant. They pushed Pittsburgh back on every play. And the the thing is, so the the pan, the Patriots could have taken advantage of the Vikings D line, and they took advantage of the Titans D line, mm-hmm. and they could have definitely taken advantage of the Steelers D line yeah. because there's not there's no depth. Right. The Jaguars have a ton of depth. Ton. And we've always said this with the Patriots: when they go hurry up, they you need to have guys that play multiple positions. Right. The Jaguars have them at every level. Yes. They have defensive ends that could cover guys. <laughs> they have Miles Jack, and their safeties could. Play corners, their corners can play safety, but the fact that they played in training camp and had a joint practice, I'm going to find the audio. Yeah, but you said this is dumb because they do not have to play the Patriots, and I'm sure the Patriots want to have a joint practice in case they have to face them in the playoffs. And I'm pretty sure I looked at you and said they're not going to face the Jaguars in the playoffs. Bill looked at all the teams and he said, "I don't know anything about this team, but they got." Super freaks all over the roster. I haven't seen these people in person yet. Hello, uh, Mr. Coughlin and Doug Marone. Can I come down there and scrimmage you guys? Is there any notion that it's yet another Coughlin-run team facing Bill Belichick and the Patriots? Well, they do have the staples of we're physical, we're tough. We're not going to beat ourselves more times than not. You heard Ian Eagle on the game today. He's like, say, like they literally like beat it into Blake Bortles' brains. Like, don't make a mistake. They're one of these rare teams that, as long as they don't make a mistake, 
they can win games just with their pure physical speed, size, speed combination. Yeah. It's rare. Uh, I guess I have one more announcement. Uh, you're going to be on another podcast this week. Yeah. Thursday for Friday's episode. Sims is going into the lion's den, excuse me, the jaguar pit, and he's meeting up with the boys from Part of My Take. Hmm. So all of the guys I that have hit... such a big deal. Well, all of the people that have been tweeting us saying, hey, we should do a crossover episode, that's what you should do. Okay. Go there and go, okay, well, you guys need to come on our turf soon. Right, right. Tell Mark Cohen, get the boys, bring them over. But yeah, Sims is going on Part of My Take, and uh, I've prepared him, and he's going to get ready to talk about Blake Bortles. Okay. He, he talks for himself, Blake Bortles, but... Man, Michael Jordan. LeBron. 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 Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Play portals as LeBron. Uh, wow. Vikings, Eagles, Patriots, Jaguars. Yes. Good games? I think so. I mean, it, you know, to me, what's the most interesting thing of all is the old school theme of this. Like, oh, you don't have to have a team that throws for 5,000 yards and we have great receivers and a running back that's all sexy. No, all four of these teams for the most part, and I know New England throws the ball around a lot, but that's still Bill Belichick and he predicates his team on size. All these teams are, we want to be bigger and more physical than you and we want to beat you up. It's awesome. Yeah. It's going to be good. Episode 149, where we're going to be recording on Wednesday. Sims will do a deep dive in the film. We've not a lot of games left, so it's easy to break it down. It and we're going to have a nice in-depth look. Thursday, as always, we'll do our gambling and make our predictions for the championship games. I uh, hope you guys enjoy this podcast coming out a day early. We know we enjoy doing it for Sims. Peace out, homies. Fendrick would say good evening, and the L-E-F-K-O-E Ma'am. says good night. Holla at your boy. Down to four. Let's go. Peace.